0: God is gracious, amen, (laughs) because no matter um, the lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Now, I don't know uh, what kinds of weeks you all have been coming from, what kinds of storms you have been weathering, what kinds of valleys you've been treading, uh, but the Lord is still good to us, amen. Amen. Uh, I especially want to extend um, my condolences to the family of Linda Spencer. Um, You know, she's definitely dear to us, and so we look forward to celebrating her life this afternoon at 3 p.m. And so we just, what a song to sing in that time. Amen. Yeah. When the Lord shall descend, oh, I can't wait for that day. (laughs) And the skies depart like a scroll, It will be well, and it can be well now with our souls. God is good. <clears throat> Are you ready to get into the Word this morning? Yeah. Amen. I yeah. want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 3. We're going through a, through a series right now, Let Him Hear. I think this is part 6. Let Him Hear, part 6, Reviving the Lifeless reviving the lifeless we've been walking through these first few chapters of revelation we started with that picture of jesus as our high priest who is walking in the midst of what you remember the midst of the candlesticks the midst of the lampstands he is that high priest who will not let the flames that flicker he will not let those extinguish jesus is our high priest And we've been listening now to the the messages that he has spoken to seven different churches. We're on church number five. We've got two more to come. Um, Because of the camp meeting break, we will have to take a little pause on this series and we'll pick it back up again in August. So I hope you're patient. All right. (laughs) Uh, Speaking of which, camp meeting. Camp meeting is coming up in the next two Sabbaths. It starts July 17 all the way through 26. Uh, That's where I will be working for the next 10 days or so. Um, here at the Parkwood Church, you know, we'll still continue our Sabbath schools. Uh, we What will happen is, during the main worship hour, we will turn on the satellite downlink and we will actually be a part of the camp meeting experience. So if you're not there in person, you will be there, so to speak, in spirit, okay? <laughs> and uh, if you have a chance to make it out there, if you can fill up your gas tank and head on out, enjoy a Sabbath out there. Uh, I. I don't know if you'll be able to find me. (laughs) Uh, I'll be somewhere in the midst of seven, eight, and nine year olds in the primary tent, but um, you know, come, come and worship there with thousands of fellow believers from the Central Valley. It's going to be an awesome experience, and so if you need directions, uh, the, the internet website that's there in your bulletin will give you some instructions. But again, moving on, let him hear part six, reviving the lifeless. We're going to Revelation chapter three. Before we even start to dig into this scripture, let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father, again, we just recognize that you are the giver of all good things. Even when it seems as though everything has been taken away, Lord, you are still the giver of all good things. Even when it feels as though everything is against us, still it can be well with our soul. And so, Lord, we want to look to you as our solid rock, the anchor that we have for the soul, both sure and steadfast. Jesus, who has entered within the veil, our forerunner for us, our high priest who makes sure that this flame will not flicker out. God, as we open up the word, we long to be taught of you, instructed by you. We pray, Father, that in a very special way, you would bring special focus to our hearts that you would enable us to really lay aside the things of this earth, to lay aside the burdens, the anxieties, and allow you to speak to our hearts. God, we need the living word, not just ink on paper. We need the word that transforms. So please sanctify us through your truth. We're praying this not because we deserve this, but because we need this, Lord. And so please speak to us in Jesus' name, what the family say. Amen. Amen. All right. Revelation chapter 3. If you're there, say amen. Amen. All right. Still turning there. That's fine. I am too. (laughs) All right. Revelation chapter 3. This is the fifth of the messages to the seven churches. And it starts out in verse 1. It says, And to the angel of the church in where? Sardis. Speaking to a specific group of believers in a very specific city, the name is Sardis. And if you were to look back at history and archaeology and try to assess okay what was it like back in sardis you would find that sardis was really not that important of a city at least in the time of john's writing john was writing in the first century a.d and sardis was well past its heyday in fact six centuries before if you were to look at sardis sardis was the capital city of that region which was known as the kingdom of lydia But that was six centuries ago. Now that we're in the time of the Roman Empire, Sardis is really a shell of its former glory. Sardis is a city that glories in its past, but its present isn't much to boast about. And so here is Sardis. It had lost its prestige. It was a relic of glory days gone by. And now here's Jesus who wants to speak to a church, which a church in the city of this i guess you could say almost like a ghost town not completely abandoned but it just wasn't of all that much glory and how does jesus introduce himself here in verse 1 it says unto the angel of the church in sardis write these things says he who has the seven spirits of god and the seven stars now you've come to know that if you've been studying just kind of these messages That that when Jesus introduces himself, it really is a foreshadowing. It's kind of a, a forecast of the need that will be addressed later on in the message. And so first, what we want us to catch is that this picture is a picture of Jesus who has, and the Bible says, the New King James says, has the seven spirits of God. Some have translated this as the sevenfold spirit of God. Now, in the book of Revelation, there is a number that is often repeated. What number is that? Does anybody know? Seven, Seven, right? You've got seven churches, seven lampstands, you've got seven plagues, seven uh, uh, stars. Thank you, yes. All these kinds of sevens, uh, and they come in sequence. And seven is really a number of perfection. It's a number of fullness, a number of completion. And so when we find the sevenfold spirit, we're looking at the spirit in the fullness of his power. In fact, it's a cross-reference to Isaiah chapter 11 where Isaiah describes the Messiah as having the spirit of wisdom and of understanding and of this and of that. And he lists seven different dynamics of the Holy Spirit in the Messiah's life. And so here is Jesus who has, the Bible says, who has the fullness of the spirit and the spirit is his gift to give, all right? So what does this have to do with the need of the church of Sardis? These things, says he who has the seven spirits and the seven stars, I know your works, that you have a what? A name that you are alive, but you are dead. I know your works, that you've got green leaves that look like they're alive, but really they're crunchy and ready to wither, right? I know your works, that you have a name. A name is that which identifies, that which characterizes. Uh, Maybe your Bible says you have a reputation. And so Sardis' name, it identifies them as living. It professes to be alive, but that profession and reputation of being alive isn't the reality. The city, Sardis, whose glory days has already gone past, actually houses a church whose glory days have gone past as well. In other words, the church, the believers in Sardis, their spirituality, they had a reputation of being alive some time ago, but that past tense is not a present tense reality. So the question this morning is this. In our own lives, is spiritual vitality... A past tense thing or a present tense thing? When, when we think and we assess our own walks with Jesus, do we reflect on the ways that we used to do things? The songs that we used to sing for Jesus? The time that we used to spend with him? The service that we used to offer him? Or is our spiritual experience a thing of the present? And that's the question that Sardis is being asked, because we know that Jesus' ideal is for our relationship with him to be a daily experience. Wouldn't you agree? And that's why in the Lord's Prayer, remember, he, he, he instructs us, give us this day, our daily bread. And of course, he's talking about our daily physical needs, our temporal needs, but I believe he has so much more in mind. That when we are to pray for our daily bread, we're longing for a fresh bread experience every single morning. That each day we would go to the heavenly bakery and long for the bread of life, right? Because you and I know that month-old bread doesn't taste all that good, right? And when it comes to spiritual things, I wonder how many of us are content with a month-old experience. A week-old experience. <clears throat> Friends that's not going to cut it. And Jesus wants us to know, hey, look, you have a name that professes to be alive when in fact you are dead. Because when we when our spiritual vitality remains a past tense and not a present tense experience, I believe we come into the d- description that Jesus used for the Pharisees in Matthew 23 verse 27. You're like whitewashed tombs. Pretty on the outside, but full of dead men's bones. Ooh. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5, uh, Paul uses a description: you have a form of godliness, a facade of being like Jesus. It says in 1 Timothy, excuse me, 2 Timothy 3, 5, you have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. In other words, it looks good, but it's not the real, genuine experience. When spirituality remains a past tense, and not a present tense experience, we become spiritually dead. But the promises of Scripture in Romans chapter 8, verse 11, you can write this one down and, and memorize it throughout the week. Romans chapter 8, verse 11 points to the fact that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same spirit that can give life to our mortal bodies. And so maybe, and this is true on the physical, uh, temporal realm, but also on the spiritual. Friends, if you have felt that you have walked the way of spiritual death, friends, you are not beyond hope, because that's why Jesus is speaking to this church in the first place, right? He says, no, look, you, you've gone to spiritual death, you're, you're spiritually asleep, but there's chance for CPR. <laughs> there is hope. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead can raise us from the dead as well. And this is the message coming from the one who has the seven spirits of God. So what does he say? He says, I know your works in verse 1, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. And now he gets to the practical instruction. First off, he says, be what? What does it say in your Bible? Be watchful. Maybe yours says keep watch. Maybe yours says wake up, right? Wake up. And strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found your works perfect before God. Okay, let's slow down here. The first instruction is to be watchful. Literally, it means to stay awake. When this verb is, is, uh, is used throughout the New Testament, it's actually used in regards to uh, soldiers that are keeping watch during the night. So no wonder it says stay awake, right? (laughs) Because soldiers in those wee hours of the morning, the wee hours of the night, they had to stay awake. They had to pop open their eyelids. They needed to splash water in their face in order to keep watch, to be diligent. In fact, when Jesus uses this, he uses this verb when he's giving his instructions to the disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane. Do you remember that? He himself, his soul is sorrowful, even to death. And he says to his disciples, keep watch. Actually, it's coupled with another command. He says, watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. So the first step in reviving the lifeless is to keep watch and to note that watchfulness goes hand in hand with prayerfulness. In other words, if you're looking for a recipe for spiritual revival, you cannot miss the ingredient of fervent and earnest prayer. Amen? Amen. When you think about the times when you have been most revived in your spiritual experience, how much were you praying? Can you remember that? When you think about the times when you felt dry as a bone, how little were you praying? In fact, uh, we're told that in Christian service, several months ago, back in January, I I was reading through the book Christian Service, and I think it's on page 120. I should have verified this. I'm sorry I didn't. But on page 120, I think it is, in Christian service, we're told that behind every revival, there is one who is found praying. In fact, revival historians You know, Christian historians who are looking at different revivals throughout the history of the Christian church, they find that sure enough, spiritual revival moves on the current of fervent prayer. And so, friends, if you are in a state of spiritual sleep, if you are in a state of spiritual death, and you long to be woken up, recharged, if you need spiritual CPR, friends, go to your knees in prayer. Now, I'm not saying that revival only is based upon prayer, but you will not see revival without prayer. And so, can I just stop right here before we even move on? What will you do to pray more? (laughs) You know, we have uh, something, we are blessed with a praying church. At least I hope we are blessed with a praying church. On a weekly basis, we make it a point, there's a group that meets in House of Prayer Wednesday nights in the Youth Chapel. And I'll be honest, maybe it doesn't meet everyone's schedules, but I wonder how much of us actually prioritize opportunities to meet together in prayer. Friends, could it be that if we want to see more spiritual revival in our church, that we would long for opportunities to pray? I'll say amen to that too. (laughs) Amen. But what will we do to prioritize opportunities to pray? Whether it's secret prayer, setting aside our own times of prayer in the closet, so to speak. Setting a phone alarm to to remind us to to come to our knees and just ask for the fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. What will we do to carve out Wednesday nights? What will we do to to take a few moments from from heading to the potluck, but maybe just, just meeting over here with the group that meets for prayer? What will we do? even when we are in Bellarmine Hall, or throughout the week, just to tap someone on the shoulder, to call someone up and say, hey, let me pray for you today. Is this out of the realm of possibility? No, right? But for some reason, it's not in the realm of priority for us. Okay? And so friends, first of all, Jesus says, be watchful. And when he says, be watchful, he knows that in the past, when he's told others to watch, he's told them to watch and pray. So watch and pray. The Bible says, be watchful and strengthen. Strengthen. That verb there, it speaks to, uh, to the idea of making something so <laughs> firmly established in the ground that it will not waver one way or the other. It talks about being so deeply planted, strengthened, that it can stand and withstand whatever blows against it. And notice it says strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. In other words, not everything in the church of Sardis has gone the withering route, but it's headed there. (laughs) And Jesus is saying, look, spiritual death does not have to be the end of the story. There is hope. So strengthen that which remains. And I want us to notice just the amount of intentionality that this requires. I just love the fact that the children's story talks about this little boy who is who is intentional or at least wasn't intentional and now recognizes, <laughs> now recognizes that he needs to take care. And the truth is, friends, like I have a, I, have a, I don't know, recently I've been learning lessons from the outdoors, <laughs> even as outdoors as my backyard. <laughs> In my backyard, there's a small plot of dirt that's not used for anything, just right behind our bathroom window. There, there's just this small, what, four by two plot of dirt and you know, when we first moved into that house, I, I, uh, and I noticed that you know, the weeds were growing, so I cleaned it out. Didn't want the kids to just be messing around with thistles and weeds and stuff like that, so I pulled out the stuff. But what happens when you just leave a plot of dirt all by itself? Springs of weeds. But if we wanted flowers or fruit, what would I have to do? I'd have to do something about it, right? I'd have to be intentional. In other words, I don't just kick back and wait for something good to happen. If we're looking for spiritual life, if we're looking for spiritual fruit, it doesn't happen by sitting in the lawn chair. (laughs) That's why Jesus is instructing, strengthen, do something about this. Because if our hearts are anything like this plot of dirt, if we leave it to itself, it will only grow weeds and thistles. It requires intentionality and effort, and focus. This does, uh, this makes sense today? Yes? Yeah? So he says, be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found your works perfect. Uh, Maybe your Bible says complete before God. The word perfect there, it's not talking about, uh, you know, perfectionism or whatever. It's actually, the verb, it's talking about being fulfilled. It hasn't measured up. It hasn't reached its profession. And remember, the reputation in verse 1 is that they have a reputation that they're alive. So their life hasn't matched their lips. (laughs) Their practice hasn't matched their profession. And so he says, be watchful. Strengthen the things which remain. Do something about it. Be intentional. Now the question is naturally, what should I do? (laughs) How? How do I perform spiritual CPR? If I'm, if I'm needing to revive the lifeless, what can I do about it? Okay, if you're taking notes, here we go. Three practical priorities. Three priorities, all with the letter P. We've already hit on one of them. And the first one is prayer. Prioritize prayer. Because spiritual revival moves upon the current of fervent prayer. So that's number one staying awake requires setting times of prayer making it a priority and let's be honest (laughs) when things get busy it's very easy to let our times of prayer slip when things get chaotic when things get rushed it's our times alone with god it's our time in seeking him that seems to just kind of get shoved to the side so instead if we want to strengthen if we want to revive the lifeless Start by prioritizing prayer. Second key is this. Second priority is present. Present. You can write that one down. Because remember Sardis' experience. They had gloried in the past, but they hadn't taken care to apply that past experience in the present. Notice in verse 3. Revelation chapter 3, verse 3. The instruction is specifically to remember. Remember. It says, remember therefore how you have received and heard. So the first instruction is, look, you, you need to call this to mind. Actually, this, does this sound like anyone else's, any other church that you remember thus far? Yeah, the church of Ephesus. They were called to remember and repent. Very similar. Remember the church of Ephesus, they had lost their first love. And so very similar situation. Now, Jesus is giving it a little bit more oomph. He says, Remember therefore how you have received and heard. Now, here's the thing Sardis was good at remembering the past. Sardis was good at remembering the glory days. But notice the next instruction Remember therefore how you have received and heard. Hold fast. Hold fast. Does anybody else's Bible have a different word there? Say it again. Hold, hold firm, okay? I've looked at a translation where it says keep keep. That verb in the Greek, it's actually translated as guard or keep. Not just to keep intact, but sometimes like in Revelation 12:17 uh, and in 14:12, they that keep the commandments of God. So it's not just talking about guarding it, guarding your experience of the past, but living it. Living it in the present. Are we following today? Yes or no? Yeah? And so look, remember how you first received and heard. Remember how your spiritual life was even first birthed. Okay? Remember that, but keep it today. Refresh it today. Apply that past experience in the present. So two priorities thus far. The priority of prayer and the priority of the present. Sardis was good at remembering, but not good at keeping that past experience fresh in the present. And that, my friends, is what Jesus says we need to repent of. He says, remember, in verse 3, Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. If we're going to turn from anything, it's turning from relying upon running on spiritual fumes. (laughs) The spiritual fumes of the past. Repent from that, and now instead hold fast. Keep that experience current and fresh and present. And that third priority, if you're still taking notes, we've got two, right? The priority of prayer, the priority of the present. Now, the third one is kind of tucked away in the next few verses here, and I want us to look at it. Verse three, actually, it's still still there in verse three. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Therefore, If you will not watch, or if you will not stay awake, if you will not revive yourself, I will come upon you as a what? As a thief. And you will not know what hour I will come upon you. What event is Jesus drawing to mind right here? The second coming. The second coming. He's saying, look, if you're not going to spiritually revive, the day that you really want to be awake for is going to come upon you as as a thief. And here's the implication that for Sardis, how should we say this? That for Sardis, their spiritual lethargy was the result of not keeping their eyes on the prize. Their spiritual uh, lifelessness was the result of not keeping an eternal perspective. They had lost sight that there was a day that they should be looking forward to. In fact, this is actually, this is, <laughs> this is actually a reference to Sardis' history. You know, Sardis, it was, it was a city that was built on a very steep grade, a very steep hill. And, uh, and the defenses of that city, they became so overconfident. <laughs> they became so overconfident that nobody could climb this hill very easily, that enemies that even tried would, would fail in the process. And they became so overconfident that at times they wouldn't need soldiers to stand watch. Historically speaking, there were two times where that city, Sardis, was overtaken in a very tragic way. On the occasions in which they thought, hey, we don't need to keep watch. And so Jesus is playing on their history. Look, maybe maybe there's a time where you don't feel like you're being under attack. Or maybe there's a time where you feel like you're spiritually strong. It's in those times, friends, that you need to keep watch. Set someone on the guard. Don't, don't allow yourself to fall asleep. And that falling asleep happens as we lose sight of the prize and the promise. So if you're taking notes, those three priorities prayer, present, and the prize. Prayer, present, And the prize, part of staying awake, means keeping your eyes on eternal things. If we were to take an honest inventory of the last seven days, the things that have taken our attention, the things that have consumed our energies, how much of those things could we honestly say had an eternal perspective in mind? If we were to take an inventory of, of the train of our thoughts and the motivations of our hearts, the movements of our affections and loyalties, there are, I'll be the first to admit, <laughs> there are times where the things that I am so burdened by really have no more significance beyond today. <laughs> there are times where I'm so worried about things that have no impact on two years from now, let alone eternity. Are, am I the only one in this room? No, okay. And so here is Sardis, and I think we find ourselves in the same shoes. And when we get in those modes of operation where we are only consumed about this, that and the other that only impacts today, friends, we lose a fervor and a fire for that great someday. And so Jesus says, keep priority prayer, keep priority the present, keep priority. The prize or the promise of the second coming. Jesus' promise, in fact, in verses four and five, I believe that when he's giving the promises to the overcomers, he's actually trying to awaken this interest in the eternity, in in that great beyond. And he says in verse four, You have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He's trying to put a carrot before the horse. (laughs) Hey, look! You have the opportunity to walk with me. Verse five: He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments. These aren't garments that we make white on our own. Amen. These are garments that are made white in the blood of the Lamb. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his what's the next word? His name before the book of life. But I will confess his name before my Father and His angels. Just at the book ends of this message, here's Sardis who, is, who has a name that they are alive. And they're relying upon that name to carry them through. They're relying upon their own profession, their own confession. But the confession that really matters is whether Jesus can confess our name. And whether Jesus ensures that our names are not blot out of the book of life. He says, I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Friends, today the message is very simple. Jesus is the one who has the fullness of the Spirit. He has the gift to give us life, revived life today. And he wants to do it through three priorities. The priority of prayer the priority of the present, and the priority of the promise, or the prize. And so what are we going to do about it as we walk away today? What are our take-home uh, take points today? Maybe today you realize that prayer is that priority that you have let kind of be put on the shelf, you have let be put on the back burner. Friends, make plans today. Talk to your significant other. Talk to your children. Talk to someone around uh, the, the fellowship hall meal. And say, hey, what, 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 what can I do to prioritize prayer more this week? How can I invest myself more intentionally? How can I strengthen myself through prayer? For me, I'll tell you that this is one that uh, that easily just kind of gets knocked off the radar screen for me. And so this week, I'm making prayer a priority. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. There are some friends of mine from seminary and stuff that we keep each other accountable on things, and I'm going to let them know, hey, look, this is my, this is my game plan for the next seven days. Please ask me about it <laughs> throughout the week. And so maybe that's something that you want to do. You just want to take intentional steps to invest yourself in prayer. Or maybe it's the present. Maybe you want to make the present more of a priority in your experience. Meaning there are things that, that when you look at how your spiritual life was first birthed, the things that really made for your own spiritual walk to, be, to, be, to begin in the first place, maybe is a certain set of Bible studies. Maybe it was a, a certain regimen of reading in your own morning devotions. Or maybe it was a certain song that you just repeated to yourself, you know? Whatever those things were that helped you initiate your walk, maybe you need to repractice them this week. Maybe you need to bring that 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 Bible study guide back. Uh, Maybe you need to turn on that, that certain sermon that just clicked for you. Or maybe you need to call that spiritual mentor that helped you when you were a young person and say, hey, can you pray with me? Think about those things that you remember and hold fast to them in the present. Or maybe it's the prize. Maybe it's that promise that you want to prioritize. Maybe it's you want to bring heaven more to the foreground of your awareness and if that's you i would say talk about heaven with your friends more just make it a habit at some day at some point in the day hey look i'm going to mention i'm looking forward to this or that maybe you want to sing songs about. i'm so thankful we were singing songs about heaven, marching to zion when we all get to whistle those tunes throughout the week maybe that's that's what you need to put into practice Obviously, the Holy Spirit is applying this message to each of us differently, and I I just really want to encourage you not to just take these things as, oh, that's a nice thought, but what am I going to do about it this week? Are are we all in on that? Amen. Amen. And so for you, whether it's prayer, the present, or the promise, friends, live it out. (laughs) Walk in that word and realize that this is the word that comes from the one who has the fullness of the Spirit, to revive life to your mortal bodies. Let's pray together and ask him for his Holy Spirit. Let's bow our heads. Father, I want to thank you that life is not something we generate on our own. Spiritual life is not something we can just drum up and flex our spiritual muscles to produce. God, we want to wake up. We don't want to be content with the glories of our past experience. We don't want to be content even just with a form of godliness and deny the power thereof. Lord, I want to be a Christian in my heart. Lord, I pray that for each of us, individually, as a household, as a church family, Would you please instruct us how we can more prioritize prayer? Father, I pray against the schemes of the devil to inhibit our priorities for prayer. Lord, I also ask that you would cause us to prioritize uh, the present experience, not just running on the fumes of our past. And Lord, I also pray that you would lift up our eyes to eternal things, and cause us to prioritize the prize. Thank you for this opportunity to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. In Jesus' name we say, let everyone say, Amen.